The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. So welcome back to Strengthen Your Roots. I'm Kate Larson, Salesforce Administrator in Omaha and your host for this month's episode. This month, we will be learning about the Beacon Employee Resource Group and hear from Janine Sagan and Alex Foreman about all things Beacon and to hear their story. We'll be highlighting a new ERG every other month up until the All ERG Conference in November. So keep your eyes out for more information on the conference. Before diving into questions, um, can you both introduce yourself? Maybe how long have you been here? What's your role? What do you like to do outside of work? And kick it off with Alex. Yeah, sure. Uh, Alexander Foreman, he and pronouns. I am a product owner on content management. So that's our OnBase and uh, Kofax products. I've been here nine years. And outside of work, I do a lot of cooking and baking, antiquing, and sort of intuitive with the type of ERG we are. I do a lot in the community for um, LGBT advocacy and networking and support. Yeah, my name is Janine Sagan. I'm a business analyst on Applications Development 3, AKA the A-Team. Um, I'm on squad two, which is AKA the programmers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've been here for 14 years. Um, what was the other question? <laughs> uh, yeah, what, I mean, what, do you, what do you enjoy to do outside oh, of work? Oh, what I enjoy to do outside of work, I enjoy uh, cooking as well. I love to cook, we love to entertain, and uh, also love fishing and golfing, and riding bikes, and all the things outdoors. Fishing? <laughs> I did not, this is brand new information. Fishing? Oh, Alex, let's go fishing. Okay, fishing, yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, since you're both like cooking, what do you, what's your favorite meal to cook? Oh. I like to be challenged when I cook, so yeah. always a new recipe. I don't often mm -hmm. remake the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if it's like probably the most exotic ingredients ever, <laughs> I love to like have to go to a store I've never been to to find an ingredient I don't <laughs> understand what I'm doing with. That's really fun and exciting to me. Oh, nice. I, I cook a lot of the same things, but differently all the time. Like hmm. you, I never cook everything like the same, but I also like to like grill and uh, smoke and use the Traeger and you know, all the things, all the things, brisket to ribs to salmon, yeah. Oh my gosh, you're making me hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come over, that sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. All right, um, so yeah, just to kick things off, um, I'd like to start out by learning maybe a little bit more about the Beacon ERG. Uh, so, for qu first question is, how long has Beacon been in our ERG? When did you guys get started? So, on paper, Beacon started in 2018, I believe. 19? Yeah, 2019. Mm -hmm. We've been around for a while, but mm -hmm. what's kind of hard to parallel in my mind is that the work to start Beacon actually started almost two years before that, of just getting kind of the the appetite for this type of work, and if it was really assessing if it was needed and the value it would provide back to the associations. That took a lot of work to do. It took a lot of probably convincing at every level that this would bring value, not just to the association as a whole, but then also to the teammates who either are part of the LGBTQS community or um, advocates or have family members. So it was really important that when Beacon was established that we knew who the audience was and what we were going to deliver to them. And that's something that we will always be going back and making sure is kind of a spot check. 
are we giving the right thing to the right people and super serving that audience? Um, so it, it did take a long time and through Beacon and Patriot are kind of siblings in the fact that they were both what seems hard to believe now but controversial when they were first started. So we had to do that convincing but also because Roots and Catalyst operated on such different platforms in different manners, they had to reconstruct the entire ERG platform that we see today with all of the operating bylaws and the way we do the things we do with the ERGs all had to come to consistency. So there's a lot of that work that happened as well simultaneously as Beacon and Patriot got standing up on our, our own two feet. I'm kind of curious what was your, what was some of the biggest challenges or what, what are some of the things you'd learned throughout setting up the ERG? What I was not prepared for was two things. Um, I'm not a person for red tape and I will often like kind of make that known and saying this is the red tape and the boundaries and the gatekeeping that's been presented and I don't really deal well with that. So finding ways to work around that and knowing that, you know, if you've convinced this person to get on board and to see your vision, that that vision would have to be probably changed and tweaked to appeal to that next person. And then once you get their yes and they're on board, it needs tweaked. And by the end, the product was so, I, I don't know that Beacon is a product per se, but mm -hmm. it was vetted out so well and clearly that at that time it just, all of the holes had been poked into it. So it felt very stable and comfortable that we had a really clear vision of what we were going to bring to the association. Um, the flip side, so that's kind of like the, the paperwork side of Beacon's um, starting point, but it was really the, I did a listening tour with all of the people that I thought would either want to be part of Beacon or support Beacon, because it's very important that you have just as many people advocating for your success as the ones leading and driving that success. Was really just the, I think a lot of it was really heartbreaking, was the stories I would hear and at the end of the, Jeanine was one of the people that I interviewed saying, who's one more person that I can talk to about their experience here? Because it's all, none of it was like public, it was just by referral system. And really getting to know a lot of our teammates on a very intimate level about their struggles. Do they have a child that was looking for gender affirming care or was getting bullied in their high school? Or did they have internal family dynamics that they were working through? Was that person still questioning like, well, how do I come out and be authentic in the workplace, either in my sexual orientation or my gender, and survive. Um, Beacon has gone through kind of, there's this moment of how can we have teammates survive in this workplace, with the ultimate goal is how can we have them thrive? Because there is a cost to that. There's a very steep cost to employees having to hide who they are and who they love and how they represent internally with their gender and externally with their gender, their identity versus their expression. That cost is actually um, 35%. So if you imagine that it takes 35% of someone's just brain activity and ability to perform of them to mask themselves, that's a lot less that someone can contribute if they're living an inauthentic life and if they feel scared and they don't have the psychological safety to be who they are in the workplace. Um, so I you know, you just kind of hear things about this person or that person. So I was really kind of emotionally overwhelmed at the end of that. Um, it definitely gave me the attitude and the motivation that something needed to happen, something needed to change. We needed to create this avenue to start having that conversation uh, respectfully in the associations. And you kind of talked about, you know, having that vision and 
Um, my next question is, I guess, what's what's the mission? So you kind of kind of talked a little yeah. bit to that. But. Um, I love our mission statement. It's so easy, and it it still. The thing about a mission statement is like sometimes it's just a paragraph, you slap it on the wall and no one ever looks mm -hmm. at it, but our mission is to educate, advocate, empower. We're not here to tell you what to do, what to believe, vote for this person, don't vote for that person. Like We're really just here to be a resource, as every employee resource group should be, um, to let people know about the different ways that a person can have a gender identity or gender expression or the different types of people that they may love and how they may love those people. And within the LGBTQIS spectrum, there are people who don't love anyone. That's also an orientation um, of being aromantic or asexual. So having those people seen and validated in that way, I think is very powerful. So our mission is really just to say that there are so many different ways of being who you are for your gender or who you love or don't love. Um, and to be a voice for those people, I think, you know, we just have this mindset like the perfect family in America is a white man and woman with a son and daughter. And I was thinking about this on the drive here. I was like, I, I don't know any family that is that exact specific combination of the, we call that the binary. And a lot of LGBT keywords, that's a very binary default of what we prefer, of what we like to think. But in reality, I don't know that that is true for hardly anyone. Mm -hmm. For me personally, no one I can think of has that. But it's so really reframing that context of saying there's so much more out there. And these people do have value mm -hmm. to the association and especially to themselves. And I want them to feel that when they walk into the doors of a farm credit facility. Um, and I know, I know both of you are on the leadership team, right? Yes. Yep. And so how many others are on the leadership team and I guess can anyone be a part of, be part of the team? Yeah, there are, uh, we're, as a whole, we're 10 members, 10 members strong. Um, so, uh, and, and yes, anyone can be part of our Beacon ERG, um, you know, cause it's, it's open. It's about inclusivity and everyone is welcome. Um, we, we love to have everyone, you know, be part of this and take part of this, so, yes. What events have you guys previously put on? A lot. A lot. <laughs> it always, the weird part about an ERG is like, oh, I didn't do enough, and then you look back and you're like, gosh, we did a lot. Um, so being an association with such a wide footprint, and because of COVID, we ramped up like right before COVID, we had mm. all these amazing things planned, and then yeah. COVID happened, and they're like, oh, we have to shift this all virtually, as mm. did the other ERGs. And starting this, it was always in the back of our mind, how do we solve for retail? How do we make sure that someone in the Omaha offices mm -hmm. or headquarters or down in the Manhattan headquarters like, have the same experience as someone in Aberdeen? And every ERG will always have to solve for that. That will never be solved permanently, but that is still the end goal ultimately. Mm -hmm. So we've tried to do company-wide um, initiatives such as like Spirit Day. I think we, we mailed things out to yeah. all the retail offices and uh, gave them a lot of swag. We're known kind of for our swag. <laughs> um, uh, just recently we did Transgender Day of Visibility with, we paired up with Teresa Martisan and their crew for the community involvement and had inclusive communities come in with uh, Eli Rigatuso and, and did a great presentation. We had great um, 
a lot of people joined us there, so I was really proud of that. That was just as of recent um, coming up with Creating Brave Spaces with Dr. Amanda Holman. Uh, that's May 4th, that's sold out. Uh, so it was very popular last year and we brought it back this year. Um, and of course, Pride. Just so proud of Pride, uh, starting from when we were in COVID doing it virtually to actually being in our very first parade last year, which I think was very successful. And we're teeing up again to do it again this year and including Youth Pride, um, which is the day before Pride, uh, the actual Heartland Pride and Parade. So uh, a lot of things coming up. Uh, there's a lot of regular every year activities that we do. So, um, you know, we, we would love everyone to be involved and, and join us in these activities. Can you talk a little more about Youth Pride? What is, what is, is that like the same thing except the day before? Okay, so Youth Pride is specifically engineered to be um, really inclusive for probably your middle school and high school because Pride is basically like any festival. There might be like alcohol or dancing or more like it's just mm -hmm. anything goes at Pride type of attitude. So Youth Pride is just probably more teenage specific so that it's an event for them. Because if you think about some of these kids, this might be their first interaction with other gays or other transgender teenagers because they came in from a small town. Half of the people that attend Pride in Omaha are actually from outside the Omaha radius. So this is a really big deal that they might be finally getting to see someone outside of that small town into the big city and really have a safe experience that's designed specifically for them so that you know the larger festivities of Pride, they're not you know, exposed to anything that's too adult or too childlike. And I definitely encourage everyone to attend Pride. Mm -hmm. But I think that that Youth Pride is so special because that's where, and it's not as, you know, commercial. It's really about um, that really pivotal time where a lot of teens are coming out and trying to figure out who am I. So that event is probably the most, I like to say heartwarming because it means the most to that specific group. Us old adults, like we've been to a Pride or dozen, so it's really just a party. But Youth Pride, I feel, is just more of a moment and an expression for those teens to really step into their fully realized self. I think you kind of talked about what's coming up, but anything, anything else to call out about what you're excited for for the upcoming year? So much that we're working on, and I think what a lot of people don't see about the employee resource groups is that there's just as much as work that happens on the front side, you see the speakers, mm -hmm. the events that are happening, but we still work very closely with HR and ODL and the executive leadership team. And that all rolls up to the board of saying, here's some things within the company policies, procedures, and also Farm Credit Foundations, who is our benefits manager. So they really have a lot of say in the type of benefits that are offered to our LGBTQIS teammates through gender affirming care. And it is an extremely inclusive policy that we have. I've always been very proud that we were offering domestic partnership insurance coverage mm -hmm. and now offering gender affirming care. So just really ele elevating and advocating what's available to our employee resource, to our teammates through our employee resource group, um, that makes me really proud. We also have the all ERG conferences coming up this fall. This will be the first time having this event I'm really, really excited for what's to come and to have teammates be able to really get something from every ERG and built specifically for our company. So it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be a lot, and it's gonna be a really great time. Yeah. I'm really excited for that too. It's gonna yeah. come up quick. 
Yeah, it is. Yep. And def that, I think that's definitely um, one way teammates can be get involved is through that conference. But what are some other ways that teammates can support Beacon's mission? I think just really, um, we have a pretty active Yammer following, and we really try to get out there and engage and kind of feel the voice of the association. And anyone is welcome to email um, beacon at fcsamerica.com. That's probably the best way to reach us. But also interact on Yammer too, and feel free if someone is passionate about an event or mm -hmm. sees an article, throw it up on our Yammer, yeah. and we'll talk about it. Um, I think that's probably one of the, for me, one of the things I'm most proud about Beacon is that we created a safe space for teammates to have conversation and feel included and feel like their opinions are valid. In some of those moments of crisis, we heard a lot of stories, and often how we get approached is, oh, my child doesn't know their gender. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know who to ask for for advice. And am I a doctor? No. A therapist? No. None of us are, mm -hmm. but we are here to have that conversation with people and say, you know, I have someone I know who's had the same experience. Mm -hmm. And even just listening and validating that and saying, yeah. I want to hear more about that. Tell me what you're struggling with yeah. and how can Beacon help you through this journey, this moment of crisis in your life. So I really love that our Yammer has become that space. Um, how else can they reach us? I think just showing up to the events, yeah. it really makes my heart happy, but also kind of sad that the Beacon events always sell out. We are always at capacity for things. I wish we could offer more and more and more, but that comes with a cost. So mm -hmm. um, other ways to interact with us, definitely. You know, stop us in the hall. You know, <laughs> I get stopped all the time. Um, you know, and I get asked for like, hey, can I get some of your swag? Or, you know, where can I sign up for a certain event? Um, stuff like that. So you make yourself known as being part of Beacon. I don't mind being stopped at all, and I will talk to anyone about it. So if they, they want to be involved. That's great. Thank you. And I do want to give, I want to give a really good shout out to Teresa Martison as our community relations and corporate social responsibility manager, I think is yeah. her official title. <laughs> um, she's done a phenomenal job elevating the outside parts of our community mm -hmm. with different LGBT organizations and things that we can easily allocate those volunteer dollars just for showing up and listening for an hour feels yeah. so good mm -hmm. because it is so vital that we are able to support some of those smaller nonprofits that are truly doing the work on the ground in the community. So that's another great way. Yeah. I always love to sell out those and give those organizations as much money as we can. Um, why did you both join Beacon? Kind of what, what made you decide to join Beacon, obviously start Beacon, and I guess whoever wants to go, go first. <laughs> I'll go ahead and go. Yeah. You know, because I was approached by uh, you and Alicia, you know, to, to join or to be part of Beacon. And um, uh, when I put in my application and you guys came to me and said, hey, you know, will you be part of this? And I mean, my whole thing is that I want everyone to be comfortable in their own skin at work. And, and we can show that as being part of that community and being part of a, a you know, just like every, I'm just like everybody else. And that was my whole reasoning for, for joining. And I just wanted to help with the education and advocating and letting people know that it, it's okay to be out, be at work and still be successful. Um, you know, 
that is that was my whole reason because I, I want to show that you know kind of model the way of how to you you can do this and you don't have to hide. And I say I wanted to be like Janine <laughs> because I saw very strong role models of what authenticity and being true to yourself and not having to mask your identity looked like in the workplace. One of those people was Janine and um, Alicia Cobb was another one in a way that I know they would both tell me, we are not superheroes, there's nothing special about me. But I think having the confidence and the safety to be able to be your true self in the workplace is um, at some point a luxury for some people, but it's also a skill that you build. There's that term, it gets better. I don't think it gets better, I think you get better. Mm -hmm. You get better about controlling the environment you're in and yourself internally and the things that you allow to impact you externally. And when I looked at those people, I was like, these people have it, they got it figured out. And how can we create a movement in a space to be able to help other people in the association that don't have that luxury, that don't have that privilege? And sort of taking that algorithm and then being able to allow other people to appreciate and identify with and gain from that kind of modeling the way. So to, um, like I said, transition just to learn a little bit more um, about both of you and your stories, I'd like to just start out with the question, um, I guess, can you share your coming out stories? Well, um, I think in what's true in a lot of, I, I want to say that society in general has changed dramatically from the late 90s, I came out in the late 90s. It was mm -hmm. around the same time as Matthew Shepard. I think a lot of my coming out was based off of fear of how I would be treated and then fear of how my parents would be treated by society. I worked with them. One Iowa is a nonprofit in Des Moines and they work a lot with solving youth homelessness. And I'm always like, I don't understand how these kids are good. What could break a bond between a parent and their child? That's like the strongest bond. And statistically, it's because of how those parents will be treated within their community, either by their employment or their church or their friends, because the external pressures of society have said this is more important of how I'll be treated than how I treat my own child. And I think that dynamic is often little talked about, but it breaks my heart that that is truly a lot of the reasoning why. And that was also true for me for my coming out. So mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people my generation that have like really fluffy coming out stories. That was mm -hmm. definitely mine. <laughs> it was hard and I'm very authentic about saying, you know, it was a really rough time, rough transition in my life. Um, yeah. I did experience homelessness for about a month or so. Mm. And it's odd now of, you know, it, it's back to the, it gets better versus you gets better. Because that journey, my, my parents had to kind of learn how to also accept it, having no really experience or not having anyone like that that they ever been around growing up. Mm -hmm. So they had to go on their own journey too. And I have a lot of compassion for that now after coming from extremely religious families mm. in very rural Iowa. There's just, there wasn't any experience like that. And then to have something so traumatic as Matthew Shepard, mm -hmm. it was probably just a lot of questions on what what is this what does it look like and how will this person navigate safely yeah. through their own life and what will that also mean for my life yeah and we're great now i should yep. say that, <laughs> That's good. That's good. i too came out in the in the 90s you know and it wasn't as widely as accepted as it is today i think i think coming out today would be a little easier mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, I think I, I too like had a really hard time, hard time with it, accepting it not only for myself, but I mean, I just, I didn't tell my parents for like 10 years, you know, and it was, it was always my friend, my friend type thing, never had a boyfriend, but always my friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is super hard. It'd be, if I could do it all over again, I'd probably do it a little differently. I'd probably tell my parents a little earlier. I didn't have, I didn't have the thoughts like, like you did. I didn't consider like, you know, how my parents would be viewed in, in that light where their child would be, you know, from the LGBTQIA community. But, um, you know, just for myself, I was scared of being like rejected. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I was so scared to tell them, even though, you know, when I did eventually come out to my mom, she was, she was, it's like, like she already knew. <laughs> so, um, you know, she welcomed me with open arms and just kind of, you know, was always there for me. So, but yeah, it was really, really hard uh, coming out at home. I was more out with my friends and in the community a little easier than, than with my family. And what I did not expect that my grandfather, who was a conservative Baptist minister, would actually be the person that was the most accepting. So there was a lot of like, you know, you make a lot of assumptions when you want to come out and you can't and you're scared about who's going to support me and who isn't. And knowing now, and I think that's true for a lot of things in my life, if I had reached out sooner and earlier, mm -hmm. then it probably would have been a much different experience. Yeah. Likewise, I feel the same. I don't know what I was so scared about. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for sharing that. I, don't, I was curious because I think both of you talked about confidence and mm -hmm. um, how, I guess any advice or how, how did you gain that confidence or how did you work through that? I mean, I don't know if you guys have any advice on that. Well, even though it's sold out, we're having a great presentation <laughs> on authenticity. And I yeah. think a lot of that is um, defining that for yourself and what does it mean to be true to yourself and to mm -hmm. live up to your own expectations and meet your own needs mm -hmm. and to not rely on the external parts of society to fulfill that needs. There's a lot of people like, you know, if I come out and I lose my whole family, they truly lose all of their social interaction and they lose a lot of that. Um, if you think of that like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if mm -hmm. you don't have like the psychological and then you don't have the mental and then sometimes if you become homeless, you don't have the just the physical safety of having a roof over your head. So for a lot of, it's just, you know, are you determining how can I safely navigate through this? And I think as you're able to grow that skill more, that confidence comes naturally of saying, I can provide my for myself mm -hmm. and I can love myself and know that I can be true to who I am. And that's someone else's choice to respect me for who I am or not. I can't control that. So you learn a lot about what's within your control and what's not. Yeah. And by doing so, I think that confidence isn't, the, the thriving isn't a cause by the confidence. I think the confidence is the symptom of learning how to take yourself from survival to thriving. Yeah. I just made that up. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think that's great. Okay, yeah. awesome. <laughs> As for me, I mean, if you're comfortable in your own skin, you're definitely more confident. You know, you, you you talk with your shoulders back, you hold your head up higher, and um, if you can truly be yourself, if you're hiding, it's really hard to be confident in that manner, and I think that just goes for, for everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be, 
in our community to experience that. But as long as you, you own it, you know who you are and be authentic, like you had mentioned. I mean, I think if you can be your authentic self, I think you're the most confident. Yeah. So. I think a lot of that too is just giving, taking that agency back away from people to have conversation and um, influence your life, that external. Because if you think about the high school times or middle mm-hmm. school when someone's like, oh, you're gay. And you'd be like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. no, yeah. I love Jennifer Lopez. I have her posters all over my bedroom. <laughs> like, if you explain it, you give your power away from that person. Yeah. And then if vice versa, if someone says, oh, you're gay, and you're like, and what about it? And then they right. don't know how to react to that confidence. Mm-hmm. So it's really how much are you willing to let go of yourself and give that to another person yeah. or keep that sacred to yourself. Curious too, how has your background shaped you, you both of you, um, who you are today? I have a lot. I think from, as I mentioned, coming from deeply conservative religious families in rural areas, it is kind of like you don't belong in farm communities because you're gay, but you don't belong in gay communities because you're from a farm. Mm -hmm. So it gives me a lot of perspective, Mm -hmm. um, I think, with my background, and it gives me a lot of compassion that I understand all of those different intersectional identities and how they are sometimes at odds with each other, but sometimes complement each other very, very well. And I think having that background makes it really easy for me to communicate with other people and come through with some of that Iowa humbleness that I think is trademarked. There's just something, I can usually tell if someone's from Iowa just the way they (laughs) carry and present themselves. So I think my background, yeah, it's definitely, it's a blessing and a curse because it's Mm -hmm. definitely been at odds. Um, with being gay, mm-hmm. but at the same time, probably made me more robust and interesting and added a lot to my personality. <laughs> That's funny. How about you, Jenny? Oh, so uh, my background, you know, I was born and raised in Hawaii, but I moved away when I was 13, but to a, to a suburb of Seattle, which was a lot, you know, a lot smaller for about 30 minutes south of Seattle. But it, it also is a small town, kind of like a farming type town as well. Um, I, don't, I don't remember meeting any gay people until I moved to Atlanta in the, in the 1990s. So that was my first experience. So like in my background, I mean, a lot of things I've learned along the way, um, you know, and, and how it's shaped me today, I'm still learning and I'm still getting involved with the community and, you know, trying to help out now, now that I'm more, more in my own skin, more confident, like we had talked about before. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm a, I'm a product of the nineties and two thousands where it wasn't as well as accepted. So, um, but I have, you know, my parents are, very supportive. I think a lot of my background with like the the fam- my family and all the support and my friends especially that you know with with that support I mean that's helped me to where I am today so. And you kind of both talked about um, being involved in the community so okay. how do you both stay involved in the LGBTQ community? Sure so very very excited that Omaha will be getting its 
first or second um, LGBT shelter, and I call it a mall of resources. So it's designed that we will have um, about a dozen different types of resources. So clothing for people that are going through transitioning gender-affirming care, because um, it's very important that they have access to a safe way to acquire clothing. Also mental health resources is always finding a, a therapist or counselor or psychiatrist that's competent in LGBT matters is still kind of a big barrier um, in Omaha. So it's getting better, but there's still a lot of work to be done there. And then just to have community between the different um, LGBT organizations in Omaha and give them a platform yeah. um, for them to thrive and kind of, you know, take away the worrying about rent and management and moving from building to building. So if the Omaha, it's called Omaha for Us, Center is able to do that and kind of aggregate this collection of resources. It's designed to be a one-stop shop for everyone in the community um, and everyone who's not in the community so they can come and learn more and interact and engage and advocate for others too. So I do that. And then I also, um, there's a program called Queer Table Talk by Inclusive Communities and they do a lot of work of just advocacy and I really encourage anyone to follow Inclusive Communities and just see what's offered for the different table talks. It is also of different issues. And you're probably thinking like, oh, it's gonna be everyone talking about and thinking the same way. It is not. It is a marketplace of ideas. And I'm always really um, kind of surprised by the people that show up and really wanna have kind of a, a good conversation about it and not just sit there and spout off about whatever was making them mad that day. It, it really feels like a good place to learn more about things and experience other people's point of views and perspectives. Yeah, and I also say like, come out and, you know, enjoy the pride festivities. Absolutely, uh, Show yes. your allyship, um, all those things. Um, also, there, you know, like you had mentioned, you know, support of all the uh, nonprofits that are out there that are spinning mm -hmm. up to help the community out. There's one called Owlish that's uh, geared towards the elder LGBTQIA community, so the aging community. Um, and I think that's great. And um, yeah, come out and support these things. I was, before I forget this, with Pride. So we have the parade in the morning, the festivals in the afternoon, mm -hmm. completely unprepared for the amount of Farm Credit Services of America customers that came up to our Pride booth and interacted with us, cool. saying, I never thought you would be here. I am so happy that you are here. It's so hard for me to find anyone back home in my community that is out or that I can interact with. And I'm so happy that my agricultural lender is here representing truly me because it is such a small community that has a lot of barriers to finding each other. Um, so that really was a heartwarming moment that we had so many customers come up and interact with us, so. I didn't even think about that, but that, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's eye-opening. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks for sharing that. And um, my last kind of question for both of you is, do you have any advice for um, others who may be coming out at this time? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have like a whole lot of advice. So um, I would say my advice would be to, you know, be yourself, um, you know, don't, don't back down, um, you know, try not to hide. I know there's certain situations where you, you feel uncomfortable, um, but yeah, just, Stay, stay true to yourself, be yourself. Um, I would say if I have to think back to like that middle school, high school time, mm -hmm. 
the thing that I think I easily overlooked was to be kind to yourself, mm -hmm. to make sure that if you don't have that physical safety and you know if you come out, you might end up homeless um, or you might be you know, mentally impacted by this or mm -hmm. face something abusive, be kind to yourself and definitely find those people. What I think about between my time then and now is that there are hundreds of different organizations and movements to really embrace and help you find a way forward so that you're not stuck in where you are or always looking back yeah. to find a way forward. Yeah. Um, and definitely, you know, reach out to Beacon if you need to just yeah. talk. I think some of our best work that we do is just with employees one-on-one -on -one talking about their life and about their experience. Yeah, to segue on that um, made me think it's like really build your support system. Know who's behind you mm -hmm. and know who you can lean on. Um, you know, in my case, I was very lucky. Like my parents were were there for me. I had very supportive friends. But um, if you don't have that, you know, reach out to Beacon or you know find your allies that are out there and and really build your support system. Time for some fun questions. Are you guys Ooh, ready? Yeah. Okay. Lightning round questions. Rapid fire questions. Uh, really, just the first thing that you guys can think of. Um, I'll start. Maybe let's do just Janine and then Alex for all of them. Okay. So Janine, you can kick things off. All right. All right. Favorite concert? Favorite concert, Don't Laugh. It's going to be Scorpion's Rat, my very first concert that I went to. <laughs> I love it. Alex? I have so many questions. It's uh, Alanis Morissette was my favorite concert, best concert. She will be at the Iowa State Fair August 15 on the grandstand. I'll be there. I hope to see you there as well. It's going to be an amazing time. I love it. All right. Ocean or mountains? Ocean. Mountains. Favorite restaurant? Right now, Mercy Thai. Oh, good. how could I choose? How could I choose? There's so many good ones. That could be an answer, all of them. So okay, many yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> oh, you know what? Saffron and Ixarban just opened, and it is, one, a gorgeous space, but also gorgeous food. Mm. <laughs> Love it. All right, early bird or night owl? Early bird. Uh, night owl, the bar is amazing, <laughs> and I'm also a night owl, so. <laughs> I love it. Uh, favorite movie or TV show? Oh, I like all the Chicago's. Favorite TV show? Oh gosh, pass. I don't pass. know. That's okay. That's okay. If this was podcast, I could answer. Podcast. Which you, there you go. Podcast. Very easily. I'm really into. It's a podcast called Death, Sex, and Money, and it's all taboo <laughs> things. Oh. But it's a really educated and introspective way of how people deal with these like moments of crisis that I really, really like. So that's been the okay. podcast of the of the year for me. Cool. All right. What's worse, laundry or dishes? Laundry. Laundry. Favorite season? This. Spring. Spring. Spring, spring has sprung. Right spring, <laughs> spring, summer. Love it. Mm -hmm. Ice coffee or hot coffee? Hot. Anyone who knows me knows it's iced coffee. There's <laughs> usually an iced coffee in my hand 24-7. <laughs> this episode's podcast ponder question is... What was your first job? Ooh, Dairy Queen. Um, I, I worked in a morgue. <laughs> Nice. So many questions. Yeah, so for many you, questions. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we'll the customers don't complain. So, uh, and the last but not least, favorite color? Green. Black. Nice. Black what? is every color <laughs> in one color. Okay. There you go. True. All right. Uh, so yeah, thanks for answering those rapid fire questions. We had a little fun there. Uh, would like to focus on just a couple more questions. Um, Really, the next section is just to talk about how um, how to become a better ally. So, oh, love awesome. to would love to learn a little bit more um, 
uh, about that and just how to become better educated. So um, really the first question is more educational, but what does LGBTQIA stand for? Lesbian, gay, bisexual, or bicurious, um, transgender, queer, and queer I'd probably stop on that. If you're in an older generation, that was kind of a slur back then, but queer has really been appropriated, especially by young generation, won't even say lesbian or gay, they'll say I'm queer. So that's really been kind of taken back and really owned. And I would also say that I'm like, yeah, I'm gay, but I'm also queer. Probably say queer first at this point. So that's kind of just a miss, not a, it's like a catch-all mm -hmm. type of word right now. So if you hear someone say that, don't say, ah, you can't say that, because you can say it. And in fact, most people would welcome um, that phrase. Uh, the I is intersex, um, and that is also a newer word for people who aren't born with just the either just 100% female or 100% male, and there's actually one out of 100 births intersex. So if you think about how many people live in America, a lot of people, that would be just in this building, 15 or 20 people born intersex. So um, that is giving kind of notoriety that some gender identities are neither male nor female at birth. That's just part of the spectrum of humanity. Um, so recognizing those people. And then where are we at? The A's can either be agender or asexual. And those are people who are just saying, you know, I don't really love anyone or I'm not attracted to anyone, but I still have value as a person if I'm not experiencing romantic expression or physical expression in that way. And the plus is because there are now over a hundred different gender identities that are recognized um, by the American Society of Psychology that, and those will evolve as we learn to know more about people in the human brain. There's always room for more with the plus. If somebody doesn't specify, how do you know what pronouns to use? Yeah, if someone does not specify, I think uh, using they or them is probably your safest. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you don't, you don't ever want to assume, um, you know, if, if they don't come out immediately and identify, so. And I would challenge, just as um, HR was challenged several years ago by Catalyst who really removed any gendered language from our job descriptions, because that does impact the type of applicants that we get, to also take that, and there's different tools that you can use to do this, but try to um, write communication as gender neutral as possible, and they is singular, they has been singular, just using the term they or them, mm -hmm. or teammate, I use the word teammate a lot instead of saying he or she, because we often, our tendency is to gender language mm -hmm. when in the, in the spectrum of the English language, that's new, that only happened since the 40s. There's a lot of stuff that's only been like, oh, we've always done it that way since the 40s. Pink has only been for girls since the 40s. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was always a male color. Mm -hmm. So as we look at the timeline of language, using they or them or non-gendered language has far more been the, the go-to than saying, oh, give it to him, or hey, guys. Like, that's a new thing. So what's cool is what's old again, or what's old is cool again. <laughs> yeah, what's old is cool again, of really just coming from a place of no gender and neutrality. And you can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, throughout your coming out process, is there anything that um, someone could have said or done that maybe would have helped you? I think I see you and you matter would have meant mm -hmm. the world to me. And just to know that other people were probably feeling and seeing the same. And ironically, like 
some of the people that bullied me the most throughout that time and made it the worst for me are now gay. <laughs> and to know that people saw what little bit of confidence I had and wanted to take that away from me was because of their own inability mm-hmm. to kind of find the joy and find connection and community in what I was doing. Those could have been my best friends, but instead they were my worst enemies. And I think that's what's probably changed to how I approach Beacon. I want to be your best friend. I want to make this a good experience for you and I want to help you become the person that you are and fully blossom into that. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Definitely like, um, you know, coming out and to see like the acceptance of it and like it's okay and it's not wrong and it's okay to be who you are and not, you know, just because you're different than themselves or you're different than themselves that, you know, that it's wrong or whatever and I think that would have made the biggest difference like if I heard that early on it's like hey it's okay to feel the way you feel you know and it's it's not wrong and you are who you are and I guess any any resources I know we've talked about um, some things you could get involved with and some resources out there but any other resources that you can share for teammates to maybe learn more I know you guys I've seen the SharePoint site you get that you guys have that has a lot of good information on it anything Anything else you guys want to share? I think community-wise, some of the best resources in Omaha, um, especially because we do, our largest footprint of people who interact with Beacon are actually parents or grandparents of LGBTQIA's teens and kids. And I think PFLAG is a tremendous organization that really allows parents to be parents and to express all those fears and also successes and really celebrate this journey for them because it's just as much a journey as is as for their child as it is for them as a parent. Mm-hmm. PFLAG is a great space for that. And then also GLSEN, which is high school. So if there's a GLSEN chapter um, at your kid's high school to be involved in that because that provides some of the same programming just for those teens within school. Um, what else do we have here in Omaha? That's really those two are like the big hitters. Alish for um, our senior. There's a lot of, because most elderly LGBT people did not have children, mm-hmm. there's no one to take care of them. So this is kind of a crisis within the community of who's able to interact with them and have that, you know, can they get to an appointment? Do they have anyone to talk to during the day? Mm-hmm. So that organization is really out there doing that work to provide that community as these LGBT people reach kind of the later years of their life. Um, so that's also a really great one. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Pride being out there and you're gonna find a lot of great different organizations to interact with and mm-hmm. people, sexual orientation and gender identity and gender expression intersect all sorts of different faiths color of your skin and background and ethnicity and how much money you make. What's the nice word for that? I don't know. (laughs) Everything. It intersects everything. So there's so many of just really specific groups that are able to recognize and elevate that for people to kind of find, well, who do I belong with? Is there the lesbian farmers of Iowa? Yes. And if you want to get connected with them, then Pride is always a great place to kind of find, um, find that community. Yeah, I guess just before we wrap up for the day, is anything either of you would like to add? Oh, well, thank you for creating these podcasts. This has been a great opportunity for Beacon to kind of promote and show off who we are and get to know Janine and I a little bit better. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Kate and and Roots, for highlighting Beacon. 
And if anyone has any questions or would like to join us for anything, even joining and be a member of Beacon, uh, please give us a call. Well, yeah, thank you both. Thank you, Janine and Alex, uh, for joining me today on Strengthen Your Roots. Uh, really love getting to know both of you more, um, and I really look forward to being involved in um, all the Beacon events this year. So uh, really looking forward to this coming year. Uh, and teammates, please email dollar sign roots with questions, comments, feedback, or really any ideas for future episodes. Also, don't forget to answer the podcast ponder question on Yammer for a chance to win some great Roots swag. Come back next month as we learn more about Dave Ramsey's strategies. And don't forget to keep an eye out for more information on, on the All ERG Conference. See you next time. Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode. 